ஆத்மநமஸ்தி டியர் சோல் கிராஃப்டர்ஸ் வெல்கம் டு மை எக்ஸ்க்ளூசிவ் வீடியோ பாட்காஸ்ட் சோல் கிராஃப்டிங் வித் தனுஸ்ரீ கிராஃப்டிங் யுவர் இனர் அவேர்னஸ் ஹாய் ஐம் தனுஸ்ரீ நாயர் யுவர் எனர்ஜி கான்சியஸ்னஸ் கோச் ஆத்தர் ஆஃப் த புக் பிரிங் அவுட் தட் ரெட் லிப்ஸ்டிக் சர்டிஃபைடு இமோஷனல் இன்டெலிஜென்ஸ் கோச் அண்ட் அண்ட் எனர்ஜி ஒர்க்கர் மை மிஷன் இஸ் டு கிரியேட் அவேர்னஸ் இன் இண்டிவிஜுவல்ஸ் லீடர்ஸ் அண்ட் ஆண்டர்பிரனியர்ஸ் டு மேனிஃபெஸ்ட் தர் இனேட் எனர்ஜி பேலன்ஸ் ஃபார் சக்சஸ் அண்ட் லீடர்ஷிப் through my inner shakti blueprint for an empathetic world today is a new episode with a new guest linda babilik joining us all the way from canada in season 2 the conscious feminine energy leadership series a quote i heard somewhere says true leaders don't create followers they create more leaders it resonates with me so much this podcast is for all people who are in the daily grind of life who need a hand to learn self mastery of their thoughts emotions and inner self and move to the next level of achieving the purpose of life join me as i share discuss and ruminate how to carve out that heroine's journey with my esteemed guests to maximize your inner potential to bring out your inner divine shakti leader this channel is for all those who are seeking an inside out transformation Hello and a warm welcome Linda Babilik to our show. So glad to you uh, to have you on Soul Crafting with Tanushri. Hi Linda. Well, thank you very much for having me. So let me introduce Linda Babilik. She is a Zesty executive life coach and author of the number one international bestseller Zest Your Life: A Taste of Inner Wisdom. With over 25 years of experience in the public, private and non-profit sectors, She has worked with people from all walks of life. A turning point in her life began with a shamanic vision quest in 2003. She discovered that her soul's purpose is to be of service in love and beauty. Linda interprets the shamanic wisdom for today's world. It subtly permeates it subtly permeates her number one international bestseller Zest Your Life a taste of inner wisdom. and she has over 25 years of experience her specialty is working with women to crystallize what they want in business and life so that they are in power control and leading their best life welcome again linda and we are we are waiting to hear from you all about you your journey into entrepreneurship so please take the mic and start <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's been quite the journey. I have a resume a mile long. I worked in all kinds of fields. I worked with the Right Honorable Kim Campbell, the first female Prime Minister of Canada, put on a conference for her. I've worked all the way with and I worked at the Correctional Service of Canada establishing a volunteer program and I actually met inmates serving life sentences so that's quite a range of people I've worked with and every single thing I've done has helped me move to a higher place and I take all that experience and that's a great deal of what I put together in my book as you've noticed and a The book came about because and I think you were going to ask me about that was I was sitting in a circle of women it was a dream circle and I said something 
And one of the women said, you know, if you did a workshop on that, I would like to know more. I'd like to go. And I did a series of four workshops and I could see the women changing before my eyes. So I rewrote, did another series and added on the vision board. And then I delivered it. I rewrote it again into a manuscript and that's what became my book. And what a lot of people don't realize is a big piece of this book came out of my corporate training. I did a lot of training with the auto parts suppliers to Honda. You know, people that work on the assembly line, mostly men. So when you get into the section about asking questions and listening and effective conversations, that's what I taught them was the fundamentals of leadership. And it's all there in the book. Wonderful. I mean, it's, uh, I think most uh, times the experiences that we have, uh, that's what has generated that kind of uh, a movement within us to, you know, and I think writing a book is one of the best ways to bring that movement out and let others explore the same movement that you had within yourself at one point of time. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how did you, so you mentioned like, you know, how did you come to write about, uh, write uh, come to writing this book, but who, who is your audience here? Who should be reading this book? It was written for men. Uh, sorry, it was written for women. But what's very interesting is there are a great number of men that have supported this book, have read it, and a great number of couples are reading it and finding that it enriches the relationship. So it's good for women to read it. It's also good for men to read it. Men are quite fascinated by some of the secrets that I give them about women. And they really feel like they understand women more after they've read it. And the women, of course, understand themselves better. Yeah, right. I have been reading your book. I've not completed the book, though. But uh, I think I could see so many parts of me there. And while you were saying, you know, you, you can do this exercise and, you know, go through this exercise and just observe, write down, reflect and just see what comes out while you're... Uh, uh, there was a lake meditation also which I really loved that meditation uh, I couldn't do it completely but while I was reading that part I could realize that you know how it takes for us some time to just pause and that's the most difficult part since the momentum in our lives are so high children and then job and then spouse and then uh, you know so many friends and this has to be done that has to be done parents have to be taken care of and like these kind of things do not let us have that pause and reflect cycle somewhere and I think you put that wonderfully in the book that um, by giving those short exercises where you have to pause just go back to yourself and understand where are you coming from where am I coming from and uh, that self-reflection is like a, a wonderful part in your book which I really loved and like you mentioned uh, we do start having a certain you know our audience in our mind for women because being a woman you know it, it, it's great to share what um, the journey that we went and we feel that most women directly connect to this but like you mentioned I also had this experience while after my book that 
I was focusing on women, but it was the men who were responding to that. That's interesting how that happens. Yes. And certainly I was really uh, happy to include that meditation and to, that's one of the bonuses in the book, of course, is that you get the recorded meditation to walk you through it and you get the workbook to work through the, the exercises. And that's very important. We need to take that pause to apply the exercises. And we have not done a very good job of that with women. Yes. We are just not, we're just going all the time. And when we do pause, we fill our cup and we can't give from an empty cup or an empty chalice. So we must keep filling the chalice and only then can we open our hearts. Otherwise, we're in our head. We need to get out of the head, into the heart and into the womb to really be able to connect and make the world a better place. Yes, and that's the uh, beauty. I mean, women have that power of womb that you mentioned in the book too. And it is such a huge power that, um, I, I mean, I... Uh, we are, I mean, women are shamed, named, uh, you know, made to look like they are weak, whatever their feelings, expressions, thoughts are weaker. And it might, that kind of vulnerability is not allowed to come out to a certain extent. And like you mentioned, uh, we have to put a defensive thing, you know, in the shield in front of us saying that, you know what, I'm very strong, I'm very strong, I can carry on, I can carry on. From inside you might be crumbling too. <laughs> and uh, there is a thing, you have to fill your cup and so wonderfully said and so perfectly pointed out that we have to fill our cup before we can share this joy, this happiness, this love. If we have not filled ourselves with love and joy, how can we even give it it's, it's it would be a shallow thing that what we are sharing with others in that case and, and that's right then we get on the codependency triangle where we become the victim or we become the rescuer or we become the persecutor and when you're on that triangle that's the codependency triangle and when we're not giving from the heart, then we feel like we're a victim, we're persecuting whoever we're helping, or we think we need to go in and rescue. We need to do a lot less rescuing. Not everybody needs our rescuing. We need to remind ourselves, and I think I give the example in the book about, am I in charge of my husband's socks? Or I'm not, I'm not, he's a grown man. He can take care right. of his own socks. You know, and it comes to that realization that we put so much on our plate. If you get nothing else out of listening to this, just take a look at everything that's on your plate and see what can you can remove. Do you really need to fold everybody's laundry? Maybe not. Maybe everyone could just have their own laundry. And if they choose to fold it very neatly and perfectly, which is what I like in my drawers, then good for me. And if they just want to fold it haphazardly and roll it in a ball and put it in the drawer, that's, that's up to them. Yes. So whatever we can take off of our list. I remember growing up, my mother ironed pillowcases. Oh, we don't do that. No, I, even I, would, I will I'll agree to that. And it was too much for me. And I can't iron the pillowcases and the bed sheets. That's well, like too much to work. And it's like, Why? <laughs> Why do we need to do those things? So go through everything that you do every, today and just put that in the back of your mind. 
Do I really need to do this? And more importantly, is this what I want to put my energy into? Absolutely. Right. I teach a program called ROIT, Return on Invested Time. Mm. It used to be called time management, Mm. but I've switched it around. What is the return on the time we are investing in this? There's no return in ironing sheets. In fact, in negatives, and it's not even uh, appreciated, acknowledged, or even regarded like it's been done. It's like, oh, if it's your wish, you do it, it's good for me. If not, still it's good for me. But like you mentioned, there is no return of investment in that. And if we, as women, look at all of the energy that we expend, is there a return on that investment? And that's not being selfish. That's the first thing we're called. We're called selfish, and we need to be able to stand in our power and speak our truth and say, no, this isn't being selfish. This is doing what needs to be done. And we can pare it right down. Then we have time to pause. Then we have time to take a walk. Then we have time to feel, not think, but feel. Let's just feel the world around us. I think that's one of the things that the pandemic has done for us. Absolutely, yes, yes. Given women the opportunity. More focus there, you know, the pandemic. Yes, there were mentally and physically or emotionally trying times, but I think it pushed us really hard to just go in front of the situation, acknowledge it and say that this doesn't work, it doesn't work. In India, like we have house helps who come home and, you know, help us with um, certain, you know, home uh, related issue, um, uh, uh, activities, basically. But due to the pandemic, nobody was allowed to come, nobody was allowed to go. We had to, had to do our own laundry, we had to do our own um, utensils, cooking, cleaning, mopping, everything. And I think that's where women really realized like how thinly they had spread themselves. How thinly. Why am I the one, the only one that can wash the floor? They know how to use a vacuum cleaner or a washing machine if you show them. And children can start doing that at a very young age. And I think it's really helped women to step into their leadership to make the world a better place. Yes. And while we are speaking about, you know, self-love and um, taking back your power, in your book, Zest, Your Life, uh, you have written about the seven secrets of women with zest. And I would like you to you know elaborate a little bit on that because there is this point about loving yourself there. And um, I think it's a high point for me because even my book's first cha- uh, chapter talks about self-right. This is the longest cha- chapter in the whole book. <laughs> I, I think, you know, having one more perspective about why self-love is not selfish, you know, really helps to, you know, put that thing right in the spot that you know just get over this you you can love yourself you can work for yourself you can do things for yourself and this is one more perspective that I want you to read from your book what are those seven secrets and all of it leads to the number one need in women is self-respect and as an aside the number one need for men is to generate or provide So they may be providing you with ideas, whatever they're providing. If you want to cut a man down, because they'll have all kinds of ideas, just tell them his idea is stupid. 
and see how quickly he melts. But for women, it's our self-respect is our number one. And when somebody wants to put us down, they attack our self-respect by telling us that we're selfish, then we don't respect ourselves. So all of this leads to fulfill that number one need that we have. That's a piece of my shamanic teachings, by the way. So the seven secrets of women with zest. Number one, they stand strong in their personal power. Number two, they don't let fear stop them. How many things have we faced? And when we feel that fear is stopping us, take a look and really take a look and say, is this real? Is this fear real? Or is this a story that I'm making up my head? Or is this bringing back something that happened to me early on in my life as a child? What am I afraid of? What am I really afraid of? So what's the worst case scenario that can happen? You know, even with this pandemic, I was speaking to my older sister. She said, oh, this is terrible. We're locked up. I said, wait a minute. We don't have bombs falling on our heads. We have a roof over our heads. We have homes to live in. And we have a fridge full of food and access to more food if we need it. So we're putting fear. Fear doesn't belong here. And fear is a hungry monster that constantly wants to be fed. And we need to stop renting space in our heads to fear. They're not paying rent. Fear can leave. You need to get rid of the fear. And that committee that's in your head filling you with fear. I call it the itty bitty shitty committee. We need to fire that committee. There's no space in there for us. So number two was don't let fear stop. Number three is they consciously direct their thoughts and feelings. Think about the fear. Is that the best place for me to put energy? We've put so much energy into our fears, but you can consciously say, okay, what aspect of this situation do I need to look at? What's frightening me about this? And then change those feelings around to what have I learned about this? How do I want to feel going into that conversation, going into that room, going on to a podcast? What do I want to feel before, during, and after? And number four, they manage their own time and agendas. No more hijacking. And you can say that to someone. And, oh, and we do it ourselves. We just jump into somebody else's timeline. And when my husband retired, I had to really learn to say, is this a good time? Hmm. I don't want to interrupt you. Am I interrupting? Let's just ask the question. And if we show respect for time and other people's agendas, then ask for the respect ourselves. But until we respect others, we can't ask for the kind of respect that we're not given. And even with children, You'll find children now, because their parents are already on the phone, they will say, just a minute, just a minute, I'm just texting my friend. Why? Because they learned that from the parents. And you say, okay, how long will that take? When's a good time? You book your appointments, you book your time, you show the respect for each other. Number five, women with zest honor their dreams and desires. How seldom are we asked, what do you really want? What do you want your life to look like, to feel like? And I do a vision workshop 
that's how do you want, what are your, your dreams and desires emotionally, physically? Do you want a house, a home, uh, a caravan to travel in? Um, what do you want physically around you? What do you want mentally? Do you want that clarity of mind? Do you want to be sharp? What do you want mentally? Intellectual stimulation. And what do you want spiritually? We are spiritual beings having a human experience. So what do we want spiritually? How do we connect to the goddess? How do we connect to the divine? Whatever you call it for you. For me, it's the divine and the goddess that I connect to. And I set my intent for everything I do, starting with first thing in the morning, how can I be of service in love and beauty today, right now? And number six, take action to make a difference. You have to do something. You can't just read a book and say, oh, oh, I have all these big plans. You must take action. And to make the world a better place, it needs to be action that's going to make a difference. Now, the action may be taking that pause. That's taking action. Don't think for a minute that taking a pause is not taking action. And the last one, if you do all of these, women with zest love their lives. And if you don't love your life, then change it. How you describe your life is how you feel about it. So if you have a wonderful life that you love, and there's some parts of it that's niggling at you, change it. Change whatever you can change in your life. And we can't dump every annoyance in our life, but we can love the good and we can love and be grateful for what we have and grateful for the lessons the pandemic's teaching us. Those are the seven secrets of women with zest. So, so beautifully put. And I think you have like, brought in each point and so powerful each of these points uh, like you mentioned that uh, you know uh, dreams and desires is something that we haven't haven't thought about you know uh, some years back like if someone someone had asked me this seven six years back maybe uh, I was so much in uh, the flow of you know going to office time managing the kid coming back picking him up from daycare coming back cooking eating sleeping getting back to office i knew everything that everyone else wanted but if somebody asked me the question what would you want i would not know what would you do if you are given a day off relaxing i don't know i had absolutely no idea and i think that's how like we put not just put our desires and dreams back or behind uh, it goes into negative mode almost that's and that's what the book stands for see the z is to zero in on exactly what you want in your life what do you want get that hyper focused and then get excited be like a child at christmas i want it but but mommy i really really want it so we need to have some emotion attached to it. Every memory we have, all think about all of your strong memories have an emotion attached to them. Absolutely, yes. The sad memories, an emotion attached to it. So A happy memory, an emotion is attached to it. And then the S is for success. And you define your success for yourself. 
because success for you and success for me are two different things. Success for me today is different than success for me yesterday. Yes. And when you do all of these things, the T is to transcend and transform your life to a higher place so that you do have your soul crafting when you do this. You're definitely soul crafting. And your soul is begging for you to come back. And you have a contract. You have a soul contract that you must fulfill on this planet. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like depriving your soul of that essence of life in one way. And in secondly, it is like depriving yourself of your own purpose of life. Absolutely. I had a dream I'd love to share with you. One night, I had, it was a terrifying dream. And it was like the divine goddess put herself right in my face. And she said, you're this close. You're this close to breaking your sacred contract. Stop all of this and get at it. You have things to do. You're this close to breaking your sacred contract. It was like, wow. <laughs> like in the morning I was terrified. I thought, oh, I better get on this program. <laughs> I, better, I better start making my offers so that I can share my skills and knowledge. And uh, as we are discussing about this, these seven um, secrets of women with zest what do you think will this will do for women leaders and entrepreneurs today who adopt these secrets if they stand in their own power first of all they will learn to love themselves they will absolutely follow those seven secrets you will learn to love yourself more you'll love your life and i think we owe it to the people around us to live the best life that we could live and then when people see us walking down the street, they can feel our energy and our family will feel that. I firmly believe that we must heal ourselves. And when we heal ourselves, we heal those around us. So your children will know how to have a zesty life and your spouse, your partners, your family. Because when we heal ourselves, we heal those around us. And when we heal those around us, we can heal the world with our energy and putting that vibration out. So we really do owe it to the planet to really be able to put that out there. So, so, so rightly said and so apt because you cannot be uh, living in silos. It is always, you know, mechanisms around us, communication around us, the relationship around us, which shapes and, you know, changes or transforms and transcends us, as you mentioned. And, uh, uh, I think uh, you made a great point there, uh, Linda. While we were discussing the other day too, while we were speaking on, you know, uh, uh, conversations, communication, or what is it that is the right way to communicate or how you put it, I love the name that you have given to it, is the three keys to juicy conversation techniques between men and women. And it's not just men and women, but I think it's all around us with whomever we interact the kind of conversation that we have with self and others, in fact. Uh, please do share it with our listeners too, because, you know, I did hear a part of it, but, you know, I would love you would elaborate that part. Well, the three keys to understand juicy effective conversation techniques between women and men is a talk that I give. So if you would like me to speak to your organization, 
particularly works well, or it has, with organizations that are male dominated that now have women coming into them. So big companies that are all, now they have women's councils. And I've spoken to a couple of them about this. It's also a small piece of my course called Juicy Effective Conversation Techniques. So I've included, I've extracted the women and men three keys out of that larger talk. And we do need to be able to have juicy, effective conversation techniques. It includes the big course includes asking questions, listening, all of those things. But the three keys that I'll share with you now is key number one, we need to acknowledge that words are interpreted and understood differently. And you notice it's called conversations between women and men. And that's a little trick question in there. And when I talk to people about it, when they come back and they say, oh, your conversation's about men and women, I go, no. You turn that around because that's the way you've always said it. But words are interpreted differently. If I say he's ambitious or I say she's ambitious, mm, that's when was the last time you heard a man being called feisty? Ooh, she's a feisty one, isn't she? Yes. Men are called feisty. And it's okay for them to be ambitious. But there are certain words that are not appropriate to be there. They've been genderfied. So they go with one gender or the other gender. So, and they're interpreted differently. And you have to remember that when people are learning a second or a third language, English isn't their first language. It's not my first language. Yes. And so the words could be a bit confusing. Mm -hmm. And if you're if you're trying to use a language and those words come up, you want to be very careful on choosing your words so that they are not putting anyone down. So there are we need to acknowledge that words are interpreted and understood differently. Key number two is posture influences conversations. So men like to have conversations side by side, right? You see them on construction sites, you see them fishing, you see them golfing, whatever it is that they're doing, they're side by side. That's their comfort zone. Yes. But women, we like to talk face to face. Face to face. <laughs> so I had, uh, as I said, I taught this to my auto parts suppliers in my big program called Fundamentals of Leadership. And it's four weeks separated so they can apply. One of the supervisors went back after he learned this and one of his subordinates, a woman, wanted to talk to him. She went face to face. She maneuvered around so that he could be standing shoulder to shoulder. She, you could see the dance on the shop floor. She maneuvered around so she'd be in front of him. Finally, he orchestrated it so she could not stand in front of him. I was so pleased that he shared this because not only did he notice how uncomfortable she was, but how uncomfortable he was having to have a face-to-face -face conversation. Because that's when we put on our whole radar. We yeah. want to read the body, the mannerisms. What are our hands doing? Is his foot twitching? What's going on? You know, he says he's not nervous, but is he giving one of these? We want to see it all. We're shoulder to shoulder. We can't do that. Mm. So it's a really good observation that if you want a man's attention and you want to talk to him, this may not be the best policy. 
And there's one side you should be talking to, his left side. side. If you can, talk into the left side because that's his receptive side. Hmm. And if you want to talk to a woman, talk to her face to face. She wants to feel your heart energy. Hmm. And key number three is who needs what? So you want to learn the top human needs for women and men. And I've already mentioned those. For women, it's self-respect. For men, it's providing or generating, whether they're providing a sperm or they're providing ideas. You know, do you know any woman that walked in the room and say, hey, I'm pregnant? No, we just don't do that. It's like, yeah, because we know what you did. But the men will walk in, hey, she's pregnant. Isn't that great? And they're because they've generated. So if you want to help a man, we need to choose our words carefully. I'll circle this back. If you say to a man, I have an issue. They don't see that they could solve an issue. Mm. And women do not like to use the word problem. We don't want to say, I have a problem. But if a man says, if you say to a man, I have a problem. Could you help me solve this? Oh. He's on that so fast. So if you want a man to help you with the problem or an issue, call it a problem. Mm. I so think those are the three awesome, keys. Awesome uh, insights. I mean, such subtle things. And um, I think these are uh, underlying things which we generally overlook, but something which is so powerful just understanding from which direction to approach a man to talk or a woman to talk to just holds, just changes the whole uh, dynamics of conversation here. Well, just think about it because you want to have clear conversations. Conversations and can turn into confusion and chaos and that costs time and money. How many times have we had to retract and then go, oh, that's not what I meant. Yes. And that's how relationships are broken. Sometimes a year, a lifetime, three months, a week, whatever it is. If your conversation isn't clear, you can be doing very well in a conversation and one word in the wrong place will explode the whole thing out of the room. Absolutely. Absolutely right. And I agree with you because uh, so many times, even at workplace, uh, simple instruction gets misunderstood. Uh, it is like you mentioned there are labels that if a woman is working aggressively she's aggressive she's feisty whereas when a man is doing the same thing it is like oh he's a go-getter and it's so taking charge yeah and it's just so easy to label these things but like you mentioned if everyone gets into this mindfulness uh, practice of and these are mindfulness techniques understanding the meaning of the words or uh, just your action your you know the direction in which you're standing the way in which you are talking what you are i mean what is the core essence understanding that from where this person comes from you can read so many of the non-verbal communication that has been done maybe the words might not show it completely but what the person is you know, uh, the, 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 I think that's why women like to say face to face to understand the expansion of the person's personality. 
And sometimes they could be misunderstood. I remember when I was working in corporate, I had a male boss behind his desk and he was talking to me and I had my arms crossed and my legs crossed and I was sitting like this. And at the end of the meeting, he said, oh, are you okay with this conversation? As he stood up and I was walking out, he says, your body language was so defensive. I said, your office is so cold. I'm freezing. I was open to your conversation, but your office is freezing cold. So he had, the whole time he was talking, he misunderstood my body posture oh my <laughs> as being defensive. So we want to be careful with that and make sure that people are comfortable. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing this. Even these three subtle tips are very powerful. I think, I mean, people should really check out your entire course and the entire workshop to understand this in much detail, to practice it in detail. It will make a huge difference in the way we approach clients, we approach vendors, uh, we approach, uh, you know, even our uh, uh, peers, colleagues, you know, our seniors, I think it makes a huge difference. Uh, coming to realize that, you know, it has not been an easy um, journey for you to even reach till here to understand all these things. It has been, I can see that there is a huge um, effort, a lot of energy, a lot of personal transformations that you must have undergone just to reach to this point and just say this so simply today and this show. And we all have our successes, we all have our setbacks when we are building um, our uh, businesses and uh, you know maybe like moving from a job to a business or transitioning or transformation in our own uh, with, uh, within ourselves. Would you like to share like one prominent episode of your success and one of your setback? Because I think uh, people want real stories like what has been happening with, I mean, I, I can look at an actor, I can look at a leader, I can look at a politician, they all have their, you know, glorious lives. But people like you and me, who have also gone through transformations like this, sometimes it's hard to put in words, simply saying that, you know, this is the thing that has happened to me. And, but I think those people who are in the mode of transformation would really connect to what you'd say. So for our listeners and viewers, would you like to share, like, what is that one turning point for your success and one setback that changed the whole course for you? Well, we certainly can't be judging our life by where we are now. We really want to take a look at judging our life from where we were. That's the progression, not where I was last year, but where did I start? You know, I never dreamed that I would have the life that I have today because I grew up in a not wealthy household. My parents certainly were not wealthy by any means. And I remember when we got indoor plumbing, we did not have indoor plumbing. And that was, that was a big deal to be able to do that. And it's as we progressed and the neighborhood changed because we were a little bit out of the city and when the pipes came in. So that was, you know, you realize you came from there and now you're here where I have multiple bathrooms in my home. And it's a significant thing for me because I used to go visit my aunts in Detroit and they worked little tiny things. She worked on the assembly line at Chrysler. 
and uh, back before they had the robotics. And I used to dream about their homes. They had carpet, they had colored television. We had no television. So it was that I really found gave me the hope that if they could have that, maybe one day I could have that. And it's not just the physical things. It's the the family around us. It's the friends around us. It's the laughter, the joy of being together. But a couple of the turning points that came to me was when I started to uh, see the goddess as the goddess in me. And that was Jean Shibota Bolin wrote, wrote a book called Goddesses in Every Woman. And she went through each goddess. So for instance, like Athena, she is not the goddess of war. She is the goddess of strategy. And I have her statue up here because I love Athena. I love strategies. So to be able to relate to the goddesses, then it pulled the goddess out in me. That's what I found is I started to see myself as a goddess. And what I didn't like about my life was I wasn't being treated like a goddess. So I set my mind as my intent. I want to be treated like the goddess that I am. Try saying that a few times before it sinks in. And it's like, no, that's not arrogant. And all women on the planet, we should all be treated as the goddesses that we are. We give birth. And we give birth to ideas, we give birth to children, and everybody on the planet has been born of a woman. We are goddesses, we are magical, we are mystical. When I started to discover that, that made a big difference in my life. And the other one you talked about was my shamanic journey, started in 2003, where I went on my first vision quest. And I had time to pause, to spend time with myself to really get to understand the dark pieces in me, the wounded child that needed healing. So it's important for us to know that. My mother died when I was 17 years old. So I had a younger brother and a younger sister to take care of and a father who was drinking. That wasn't very good. And then I went out one night and I got pregnant. That wasn't very good either. I had to give the child up for adoption. So all of that trauma and drama was still in me. And I needed to heal that and reconcile that. And now I wouldn't change anything in my life to have that happen. It happens. But I had a role to play in all of those. Because we make a choice, then we make another choice. And we make another choice. And when we're not in our hearts, we're making the wrong choices for us. Absolutely. And then we take that. And we learn the lessons from it. So those were some big. Thank you so much. That's like uh, really a wonderful share because yes, we can always say where we are right now and show that it looks great. And, you know, everyone can be there, but everyone's journey behind, though not same, I would say, but yes, there are similar journeys and those journeys are really important. What I would say, like, setbacks or whatever uh, challenges that we faced during from the time we are born till the time we are here today are meant because we were supposed to be here today after going through that uh, it's like you know chiseling a sculpture and making it the fine piece 
or uh, it's like you know coal under pressure turns to diamond it's 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 uh, it's it's that thing that your core has to really undergo that to get to the right temperature the right structure and then you are like you shine like a diamond thank you so much for sharing that and what i realized was a lot of the obstacles and challenges in my life i put there or i perceive them as a challenge as a problem as somebody else oh it's my kids fault it's my husband's fault it wasn't yes. i was in power and control of my own life but i didn't know that for a long time yes i agree to this because i think personally even i had a similar uh, experience at one point i just felt like a victim that it was everyone else's mistake but mine i think the day i owned up the day we own up and say that uh, i accept i acknowledge whatever was done whatever was my choice it was my doing and i am a power player here so then the whole power comes back to you and i think that's where you start moving in, uh, in the right direction otherwise it is always right one wrong choice and then you add another wrong choice to it and then it keeps on just multiplying right and when you have that insight it's like a ray of enlightenment yes, now like has gone into your head and it's like oh that was me uh, okay i'm not going to do that again yeah awesome thank you thank you so much for this so as an on- I, i this is something now out of um, the serious topic you know like as an entrepreneur and a coach i believe that um, even as a coach uh, while we speak to so many people around um, we share our energies with other people we um, we kind of exchange energies with other people so there are some self care rituals or practices that is very important for us to keep ourselves grounded to keep ourselves steady as an entrepreneur and a coach what are your typical morning night rituals like because i think those are the most powerful times when you work and work with self so what are your morning and night rituals like well every morning i meditate there are very few mornings that i um miss my meditation and i use vishen lakiani's six phase meditation from mind valley And what I love about it is it's the journaling meditation. So I get a beautiful journal which I have right here in fact. I uh I get a beautiful journal. Super great ideas. Yes. Wow. And then I fill in my journal. And every day I go through those six phases and I've been doing that for many many years. and it goes through everything it talks about my gratitudes and i encourage my clients to do gratitudes three gratitudes three gratitudes what are you grateful for in your life what are you grateful for in your business what are you grateful for about yourself that's a little challenging at the beginning and then who do you need to forgive Yeah. What's your vision for 3 years from now? Yes. What's your vision in 2024? Right. Right. My vision in the present tense. What's your perfect day? Write that out. So then like this morning I put down that my perfect day was that I did my meditation, I did my exercise, which as I also incorporate into my days, and then I put you. You're in my gratitude journal. 
And (laughs) yeah, and it's really amazing how you put that down. And, And under the business, I often put my connections and the supportive connection that I have. So the perfect day and then the blessing. And for me, um, he gives you a blessing, but I always pull an oracle card. I have many, many decks right now. I am focused on this one by Rebecca Campbell, Work Your Light, and I pull a card. And then I read the inspiration from that one every day. And that's how I start my day. Then I do my ex, because that's set the intent and the tone for what I want for the day. And then I do my exercise, I have a good nutritious breakfast, and then I come up to my office and I get some work done. And at the end of the day, I try to not work as late. I used to work 90 hours a week and we're not doing that anymore. And I have a nice nutritious dinner. And then I try to get to bed fairly early. And I always set my intent to have wonderful dreams and insights and messages come to me during my dreams. In a perfect ending. And what you have mentioned is, I mean, the the crux of it is how do you intend every day to be? And I think that's that's the power of, uh, you know, instead of goal setting, which I also propound a lot in my workshop, that goal setting becomes very rigid. But when you go into setting an intention, I think the universe expands itself automatically to bring those things to you. And that's where I think, like you mentioned, putting the gratitude and the blessings. Sometimes you feel, I want this in this form. This means success to me. But the universe might have a better and a bigger plan. And if you just, you know, move that goal and put an intention there, you might get a better and a bigger and in a different, um, uh, a different featured thing also. Maybe it might be a different featured result for you, but it might be for your best. Mm-hmm. It's for your highest good. And I write it at the top of my page. This is my daily schedule. So at the top, I. I... My intent says flow with the divine. And at the bottom, I put my wins. What are all the great things that happened to me today? Thank you so much for sharing this rituals uh, and showing your grat- your journal and your, you know, how you structure your day with intentions. And the next question, I think um, everyone has a personal favorite quote that inspires them, motivates them. And I think in the times when you feel low or when you feel joy, I think this is a quote that just comes automatically. What is your favorite quote that inspires you? Oh, I have so many in my book. It's, um, I, it's It comes to me more like, like song lyrics than an actual quote. I love this one by Christian Dior. Zest is the secret of all beauty. There is no beauty that is attractive without zest. That's one of my favorite ones because I love zest and I love having zest and I love sharing the zest. Yes, thank you. So um, as we come towards the end of today's talk, any tip or advice that you would like to share with our followers and listeners? I would love to have a conversation with anyone who's interested. So you have my link for them to book a meeting with me, or they can just contact me, Linda at lindababulic.com. Drop me a note. And if you want me to expand on any of these things, 
live your life with zest. That's my final advice. Live it with zest and share your zest. The world needs it now more than ever. It's time to share your beauty and share your zest with the world. Thank you so much for that message. And yes, we'll be sharing Linda's social media uh, coordinates in the description below and how you can get in touch with her, her various programs. Uh, you can directly send her a mail or a message where you, you will come to know more about her programs, her workshops, her courses, organizations who want to book her for their workshops. Uh, thank you so much, Linda, for taking time out from your busy schedule and joining us for the show all the way from Canada. We wish you and your business higher successes. I hope that you spread this light far more along the whole globe. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's been a pleasure knowing you. It's been a pleasure talking to you and discussing ideas, thoughts. You are, you are be, I mean, you are, you can, you do exude that zest. You do exude that energy to whenever we spoke. And thank you so much for joining in today's show. So dear listeners and viewers, from keynote speeches to coaching, consulting and workshop, Linda addresses the growing need for connection. Anyone seeking greater meaning, deeper understanding and the kind of joy that comes from the heart will benefit from her talks and programs. The links to Linda's online business presence is in the description below. And with this, we come to an end to today's episode of Soul Crafting with Tanushree, the Conscious Energy Leadership Series. Thank you so much. Thank you. And this was yet another interesting discussion with a guest having a very unique niche. The conscious energy leader brings with them a deep exploration of their thoughts and derives energy from this constant awareness and inner guidance. Today's guest, Linda, explicitly showed this through her own wisdom, her own inner wisdom. To know more about how I do this for my clients using my Inner Shakti Blueprint, you can head over to my website www.tanushrinayar.com and subscribe to my newsletters or connect with me on my FB and Instagram pages. On Instagram, you can find me as at Soulful Living with Tanushri. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel Tanushri Nair by pressing the bell icon. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. And until we meet again, stay safe, stay inspired. You are all loved. We'll be back with another episode. Peace, love and light. Tanushree, signing off.